0: So, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody uh, here does not know what happened. You all know what happened uh, to that fateful uh, sub-dive, whatever you call it, uh, tourism. <laughs> the Titanic is now a tourist attraction. You believe that? Uh, sharks are a tourist attraction now. No, seriously. Uh, the, the, they figured that um, you'll make money... F- uh, from people paying to dive with sharks than to actually just catch the shark and use them for soup. (laughs) It's crazy how some people with money um, think about these things to do, like, really dive into the deep, one of the deepest wrecks? Uh, In a vessel that's not certified? Um, That's just, uh, that's a separate sermon, but (laughs) the sermon for today has something to do with that. So again, I haven't, um, I don't know anybody who hasn't heard of that accident that happened uh, a few weeks ago at the east coast of Canada, but if you listen to the last part of the video, it mentioned how the organizers of that dive, uh, along with the owner and the designer of the sub, the Titan sub, were warned multiple times since 2018, right, to not go through with this, that that's just not safe, um, The whole diving community, James Cameron, the first one to, um, well, not the first one, but the very first ones in our modern era to dive to the deepest part of the ocean, warned them. Um, He wasn't as vocal, just like what he said, but he warned them along with the rest of the diving community. Um, Now, tragically, the designer and owner of the Titan Sub and the people that got on it um, didn't listen. So due to the tremendous amount of pressure of the sea around them uh, when they took the dive, they didn't even make it to the Titanic uh, they were like two-thirds of the way the sub, what? imploded everybody in the sub were, were killed uh, and the sub was destroyed so in a way, uh, this is a harsh warning uh, to. Never rely on our own abilities or knowledge. And in humility, someone who leads others must be willing to take correction um, and must have the desire to continue to learn and grow. If you think that you know everything, think again. (laughs) So, second half of Exodus 18 serves as such a warning. And it's not just a warning for uh, God. people who lead God's people, it's a warning for the sake of God's people. Right? We're all in the same sub, so to speak. So if you're looking at this text and you're like, what am I going to learn from this? I'm a leader. You'll learn something. Okay? So let's dive in to the text. You get it? Let's dive in. No? No? No one wants to dive? <laughs> so let's do- <laughs> Let's dive in. I have to explain the joke to you, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> we shouldn't, we learned in the Sunday school. Serious matters, there shouldn't be, shouldn't laugh. So, second half of, the chapter, of chapter 18. Uh, is probably more, the more familiar part of this chapter uh, for those of us who have read through Exodus. Uh, this is the part where Jethro uh, gives leadership advice to Moses. Uh, while spending time with them in the wilderness. So this morning, I'm going to share with you some observations and th- some things that we can learn from this part of the story, uh, beginning in verse 13. Uh, so the day after Moses and Jethro had their, their reunion, if you, la- if you were here last week, you, that was the sermon, okay? They had a reunion. Moses used that time, took advantage of that opportunity to share the gospel to Jethro, okay? Um, and uh, after that, what happened? Uh, Moses goes back to the daily grind of being the leader for the Israelites, okay? Uh, Exodus 18, verse 13, it says, the next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So at this point in the story, Moses has been leading the Israelites for more than a few months now. From the time they cross, the Red Sea, up to this time, uh, we can assume that the daily routine for Moses has been what is described in Verse 13, every morning he would sit and the people would line up and wait for him, right? Have you been, have you had that? You go to the, um, to go renew your license or you go to the grocery store. There's no self-serve counter. There's only one cashier and there's a lot of you lined up. It's frustrating. And I'm sure it's frustrating for Moses too, because he's the only one have to do all this. You have to take care of all these people. I'm getting ahead of myself. So that's what he does. Every day for the past few months, Moses sits from morning till evening to do what? Handle disputes and teach people the statutes of God and his laws. Like, you don't pay me enough to do that. (laughs) Right? Imagine. And how many many, uh, Israelites were there? 700,000 men? What about the women and children? So let's say in the millions... And you're sitting there by yourself having to deal with all these people's problems. Like, will God heal? You know, my feet stinks. Will God heal that? Even the little ones, he has to deal with. And that's what he does each and every day. What can we learn from that? Well, we can learn from that first. is that um, when God called him, there's work involved in his calling. And it is God who assigns the work. Okay, That's the first thing we can learn. God assigns the work to the people whom He has called. Now we can compare this with the first man, and Adam, when Adam was created, uh, what did God do? He did the same thing. He assigned him to do work. Check out uh, Genesis 2:15 to 18. You guys yeah. read that. I uh-huh. Lord God commanded the So even in the beginning, there are two things that we can see in both Genesis and in Exodus that have been ordained by God. What are those two things? Work and help. Work and help. So Adam, as the leader of the human race, was tasked by God with work. Now some of us, if you don't read your Bible carefully, some of us would think that, no, work is hard because of sin. It was a curse to man to work. No, it wasn't. At this point in time, no sin yet. God hasn't proclaimed the curses yet. And God didn't curse work he cursed what the ground <laughs> if you read your your bible closely he didn't curse the work he cursed the ground that's why it was harder to work for the man right you have to work with the you know to the sweat of your brow you have to earn your or you you make your food or whatever right that's what it says in in the in genesis uh, 3 but at this point in the story it wasn't like that work was good God worked, and it was good, and he put Adam to work in the garden, to work the garden and to keep it. Now before Genesis 2.18, that last verse, everything that God created, God said has been good or very good. And then in verse 18, God sees something that is not good. What is it that God saw that is not good? That man should be alone. Man should not be alone alone. Now, does this mean companionship? No, it doesn't. Those of you singles? Okay. Oh, it says man should, should not be alone. That means it's not good for me to be single. That's not what it means. It's not just about companionship. In the context of Genesis, not being alone is more than just having a companion. It is to have help for the work. Agree? Single people? Nobody's helping me with my work. (laughs) Right? It is not just for companionship. It's to have help for the work. And again, at this point, in the creation story, the male needed help with two things. What were those two things? Multiplying. I said this in Father's Day, Mother's Day. To multiply and to subdue the earth. To work the garden. Those are the two things that he needed help with. And Moses tried to find that helper in the things that were made. Uh, cows, pigs, goats, lions. No, no, none of them was fit. So God, seeing all these things, and God seeing man, that it was not good for men to be alone, to do all this work, provided a helper fit for the man. Now in the same way, when it comes to God's salvation work, god has always worked through human beings but in the work okay god's design is never for man to work alone it's not good it's never good for man to work alone god when it comes to salvation god is the one that provides salvation but there's work to be done in order to get that for that to happen jesus came down and then we continue the mission of jesus right but is, is, who saves? Is it our work? No, it's God who saves. But there is work to be done. And that work is not to be done alone. Okay? So Moses uh, was going about doing God's work for the nation of Israel the wrong way. Uh, sure, he was trying to be faithful to his calling, but no one man can ever handle that amount of workload. Not one man. Now, let's put that in our context as a church, okay? The job of the pastor is pretty much the same thing that Moses is doing. So Moses is pretty much the pastor of the uh, people of Israel. Uh, Office of pastor or elder is to be faithful to God's calling to meet the spiritual needs of his children in the church and also sometimes to settle disputes and help with people's problems, Right? Now, I've always been transparent about this aspect of pastoral ministry ever since I started because I know I'm convinced that I cannot do this alone. That's why I have always been vocal about the need to have multiple leaders in the church. Right? But I'll get into the problems with that later because it's so hard to call leaders in the church. Uh, I don't know if Moses had the same problem, but it didn't say. So hopefully he didn't. But from my experience, hard. It's so hard to call leaders in the church. But we need multiple leaders. Otherwise, I, I won't be able to carry it. And I just burn out. I'll, I'll implode. <laughs> right? So much pressure from all sides, all angles. And it's not all good pressure. Some of them are bad. I'll implode. I can't do it by myself. So now, whether these leaders are elders or deacons or even ministry leaders, we need many of them, right? It says in the text, assign leaders to thousands, tens, right? So many leaders. Now in the context of the story, the leadership advice that Jethro gives Moses is, yeah, for the office of pastor to select more leaders. Um, but I believe that this applies to all of us. Um, so, well, let's, let's look at the context first. So, biblically, the call for, for eldership and our pastor is pretty similar to Moses' role. So, ultimately, God's call for elders or pastors is to, to do what? To equip the saints, Ephesians 4, and to help lead God's people to spiritual maturity and unity. That's, that's, that's my job, okay? My job is not to attend all the parties and, uh, right? and, and solve all your, even the littlest problems, No, but sometimes there's some members who think that that's pastor's job. Pastor has to pray for me. Can't be anybody else. Pastor has to visit me. Can't be anybody else. No, I don't like the elders. I don't like the deacons. It has to be the one and only. That's not my job. (laughs) It's part of my job. That's all. That's not my main job. The main job of the pastor is to equip. The saints. Um, But what distinguishes a pastor from an elder is the, again, the actual work that God has assigned to them. Elders and pastors are pretty much the same, equal. Um, But what distinguishes my job, or me, from the elders of our church is the work that's assigned to me. Um, God assigned to, to me as a pastor is to equip The saints, in the context of the story, Moses is acting as the pastor. His primary task is to teach the Word of God, both in public and in private. And also to help people apply these teachings to their real life situations. The problem that Jethro saw was while Moses was doing this, he was also helping people deal with their problems and their issues. And this is what Jethro saw that was not good for Moses and so he advised him to select elders from among the people and have them deal with these issues this is what separates the office of pastor and elder check out uh, first Timothy this, listen to what Paul says about this first Timothy 5:17 can you guys read that <laughs> So Paul gives a similar advice to Timothy, right? Elders are the ones in charge of the affairs of the church. Meanwhile, the pastors work is what? Preaching and teaching. Right in comments, this verse teaches that elders are called to govern the church. It also seems to distinguish between pastors who do most most Okay? Most of the teaching, not all of it. Okay? And the other elders who share in the burden of spiritual care. Why does it need to be like that? Because there's too much pressure. The more, like in the, the, in the video, the, the deeper you get into the ocean, the more pressure. Why? Because of the weight of the amount of water that is on you. Right? Try to lie down in a pool. Have you tried doing that? Go to the deepest part of the pool, lie down. The pressure is, you can feel it in your, on your chest. Right, you can even hold your breath better the deeper you go, because it helps you, you know, your muscles contract your lungs so that you can hold your breath longer. So the pressure is coming from the weight of the of the water. Um, so when you think about that, and you think about like we only have what 200 something members, that's a lot of. If 200 people were to pile up on top of you. And some of we all don't weigh the same. Some of us are heavier than others. Imagine the weight. <laughs> I'll be a pancake, <laughs> and it's just one person underneath to take all this weight. It's heavy, right? It's heavy. And I have seen the pressures of pastoral ministry destroy pastors, and some uh, pastors' marriages and families. I've seen a lot of pastors got divorced because too much. Pressure. The wife couldn't take it anymore, that's it. Um, and so the office of pastor is not a job to be taken lightly uh, because the pressures that come with it are very heavy. Uh, you now some pastors make it look easy. Maybe because there's multiple of them. Some like me, at this church has only seen one. There was only one point where we had two pastors. The rest of the 40 years is just one pastor, always. At this church it's a heavy burden now um, here's, the, here's where the warning comes in if a pastor okay, no matter how sincere his motives are and how faithful he is to his calling operates with ignorance pride not only will his personal and spiritual life suffer those whom he ministers to will suffer as well if you're too proud or you're, um, you don't listen, you're hard-headed, you're stubborn as a pastor. And you don't listen to correction when people tell you, maybe you should get another. Maybe you should, need, maybe you should assign more work to some of your elders or deacons. Maybe you should do that. And if you don't listen to that, you're not just affecting yourself personally, spiritually. You're affecting everybody else. That's what happened to the, to the titan sub. So, Right? The owner of the Titan sub got all these theories about carbon fiber and the material that, you know, he doesn't want to go with the regular sub-material that everybody else uses that should be proven works. No, there's this new thing, carbon fiber. Not only is it stronger, it's cheaper. You know how much he uh, uh, charged to get on the sub? $250,000? per passenger, to get on the sub. Meanwhile, he built the sub made from uh, Walmart materi- materials. The lights came from Rona, this, the, the little Nintendo thing, the little controller, the screens were on sale at Best Buy. The so his, his purpose was not just to uh, bring people to the Titanic, it was to make money. And he rushed it. He rushed the design of it, got people to sign off on it, People were telling him, all the experts were telling him, don't do it, didn't want to listen, no, my, my theory will work. And it did. It dove at least around five to 10 times, successfully. But what happened was the, the, the material he chose, it contracts and expands. Carbon fiber, those of you who have carbon fiber bikes? Yeah, it's gonna break. <laughs> Every time you hit a bump, it contracts and expands. And you do that enough times, it's gonna break. That's what happened. On the 10th or whatever time they dove, it, 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 it just broke. There was a crack. And one little crack when you're that deep is going to cause an implosion. So he didn't listen to other people's opinions. He wasn't willing to listen. Why? Because he had other motives. Um, so pride, the unwillingness to learn from correction, and the hunger and need for power, prestige, control, the slow drift away from the standard of God's Word is the perfect storm for any pastor or any ministry leader. You think you see something in the Bible that's like brand new, like, oh, this is, this, is, this is groundbreaking interpretation of Scripture. No such thing. Don't go with that. If somebody's warning you about that, like commentaries, check yourself. Maybe you're the one who's reading it wrong. But there's a lot of pastors who do that. They see something new. Oh, I think this is what it means. And they don't want to listen to commentaries. They don't want to listen to other pastors. And they teach it to their people. Guess what? You're not just putting yourself in trouble. You're putting everybody else in trouble. So when Jethro saw this, saw this how Moses was going about his ministry the wrong way, that he was going to burn out. And he wasn't just going to burn out uh, by himself. He was going to burn everybody out. Imagine if you're that person with a bad foot. And you're at the, the end of the line. How is this gonna, my foot will be messed up by the time I get up there. I probably won't even be able to get up there because of all these people in front of you and there's only one cashier. (laughs) It's not gonna work. You're gonna burn everybody. Also Jethro told Moses, go look for helpers. You're not supposed to be doing this alone. Go look for helpers. Now, Jethro gave Moses three characteristics, distinct characteristics for the helpers that he should be looking for, okay? So we're going to focus on this, and this is where your job as a congregation will come in, okay? So three distinct characteristics. Um, and again, it didn't say if Moses had a hard time, if he had to like, convince these helpers to come help him, or they just willingly volunteered. But the point is, he has to look for these three characteristics, okay? Exodus 18, 21, let's read that. God, and trustworthy, and such over of hundreds of Okay. So the things that he was looking for were what? Men who God. first look for able men. Okay, we're gonna get into that. People who fear God or men who fear God, trustworthy, hates a. Bribe. So those are the things that Jethro told Moses to go look for when it comes to the helpers that he's about to recruit. Now, what did Jethro mean by all those things? Um, well, ministry leadership, specifically pastoral ministry, or even uh, eldership, requires a different type of man. Okay, if you watch your uh, YouTube or you watch documentaries. Uh, of the people who actually dove deeper than where the Titanic is, you would think that at that depth, okay, with all this water pressure, you know where the deepest place is in the world? Challenger Deep near the Philippines, Mariana's Trench. There's called Challenger Deep. That's the deepest place in the world. You would think if there was that much pressure down there, there would be no living creatures down there. But there is, right? There's little fishies. There's little jellyfish. And you know what? Being close to the Philippines, there's also a lot of garbage down there. You know the number one the number one uh, country that um, throws garbage, plastics into the ocean? I just heard this from Joe Rogan. I don't know if it's true. Look it up. Number one. We're number one, Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you happy about that? We're number one in something. That's good. <laughs> That's why... <laughs> That's why when this guy dove to the deepest part of the ocean, close to the Philippines, guess what he saw? Plastic bags, plastic containers, pla- in the deepest part of the ocean. Can you believe that? Uh, but that's just a different, that's a different uh, sermon. Uh, but my point is that there are creatures down there. There is fish down there in the deepest part of the ocean. So there are people, there are creatures that can take all this pressure. And that's the one, th- those are the people that Jethro is asking Was go look for these people. The ones that, that can take some pressure. You can't have people here who will crack. You know, they just don't put their face in the water and they're cracking. You can't have that. <laughs> it has to be people who can take all kinds of pressure. And I think that's why I'm shrinking so much pressure. There's a different type of man that is being called for pastoral leadership, ministry, eldership. It's a different kind of man, right? Um, so not all men can be called to this ministry. Uh, the article in Desire God by David Mathis uh, says this. We should note that elders in the New Testament, also called pastors or overseers, are spiritually mature men. Not any Christian. Not any man, but mature men. I believe that these are able, these are the able men that Jethro was referring to, uh, that Moses ought to look for and call from the people. Yes, they contain all the other stuff. God-fearing. Don't take a bribe. Right? But they are, ultimately, they're mature, spiritually mature men who can take some pressure. Now... For the specific office of elder or pastor, what does this maturity look like? If you're being called to eldership, or even the pastorate, or even being a deacon, what does it look like for a spiritual mature man to be called as one of these um, elders or leaders? Um, again, I'm going to look at the uh, the article from Desiring God. The article says that the first sign of maturity. For the office of elder or pastor is an aspiration or a desire to want to do the work. A desire to want to do the work. Now, let me ask elders and deacons. Any of you, when I first approached you, already had that desire to want to do the work? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. <laughs> Even me, when I was approached by Pastor Luis, I'm like, no, <laughs> not doing that. Although I already have this, wasn't a desire, but I like, I already have this, um, I guess, willingness or this want to go s- to, to see some change in the church. But I just didn't want to have to lead in doing it. You know what I'm saying? Um, But that's the first thing. Uh, Mature men will have this desire, aspiration to want to do the work. The article even goes to say, um, Peter may say it most powerfully, Christ wants elders to shepherd his flock, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. God means for the leaders of his church to do the work with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to the people. So, what happened? Like, so, how, how did I end up here if I didn't have that? Because when God calls you, he equips you. If you're missing desire <laughs> right now, for those of you, maybe because the desire is being uh, hindered by fear. Uh, yeah, if, if I ask that to those people that I approach, that would be number one. What was the number one thing that hindered you from saying yes to deacons or elders? Fear. Everybody will raise their hand. I'm the same way. But what does fear say about you? For you not to go. It means you don't believe. What did God say? I will always be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Everything has been given to me, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Trust me and go. Right. So we're worse than those people that jumped into the sub. They had no assurance. They still signed the waiver. (laughs) Right? Meanwhile, God's saying, no, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm, you know, I'm like a rock, I'm like a, right? My foundation is solid. I'm never going to let you down. I, I never die. I never sleep. I'm all powerful. Come. No. <laughs> Not signing that waiver. I, I, there's no other way for that desire to come other than to see God for who He is and to want to respond to His call. Right? Um, but I'm, again, this is for those people who are, um, who have been approached or... Um, i have been asked come help us lead the church we need leaders number one thing they respond with is fear you shouldn't you shouldn't fear you shouldn't fear but at the same time don't do it because somebody asked you to do it okay i'll get into that later so able men who are mature spiritually will not only have a desire which comes from god seeing god for who he is and the willingness to do the work of the office of elder and pastor. But will also have a humble attitude to accept whatever God's call is for them. Okay. What if you have the desire? What if, I, I think I should be an elder. I think I could be a pastor. But God said, no, not ready yet. Or no, you're not going to be an elder or a pastor. You will be a backup singer for the praise and worship team. You gotta be humble enough to accept that because you're biting off more than you can chew and at that point in, you know, you don't know that, but God does, so who do you trust? You? Your your abilities that you think you have? Or God? Trust God, right? So, but but both of you who have the ability and are being called Trust God as well, right? You may not have the desire for it, but if you keep looking at God, keep focusing on Him, you will gain courage. You will gain faith in order to do the job, right? So now, those people who um, are being called, you don't just get called and that's it. How do you know if you're being called? There are two other things that must accompany that desire for the ministry in order to confirm it. Okay, first, okay, doesn't matter if you have the desire or not. First, you have to be affirmed in your gifts. Okay, you have to be affirmed when it comes to your gifting. So there are a couple of questions we need to ask men who have the willingness for the office of elder or a pastor or deacon. Is First, is there evidence of God-given gifts, no matter how small, when it comes to serving others through teaching? Preaching or counsel? Is there evidence? Second, if there is evidence, do others see it? And this is where you all come in. Okay? Do others see it? Now, for the longest time, okay, when we have elections, when it comes to uh, elders and deacons, okay, because when we change the election uh, process for elders, it was now appointed. But for deacons, we still elect people, right? For the longest time, people always, because they know the name, they will just vote for the people that they know. And this is where you come in. This is you signing the waiver to get into that sub that's being piloted by these leaders. <laughs> Seriously, a lot of people when they vote, uh, I don't know that, 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 that. Oh, I know this person. I've, I've been going to church with them for 20 years. I'll vote for them. Meanwhile, that person is no longer active, barely comes to church, and maybe the only reason why you, that's the only person you know is because you barely come to church too. <laughs> right? I'm getting tired of, you know, putting people's names on the board that we, the Combelec thinks that are These people will, you know, not only did they uh, accept the the nomination. I think these people will do a good job. And then there are other people who are like, how come come nobody nominated this? How come nobody nominated this person and this person? Because they haven't been here. Maybe you should come more often. Some deacons get elected two or three times in a row and hasn't done anything. They don't don't even show up to church, but they still get elected. It's like in the Philippines, right? People elect dead people. Or people who are dead vote. (laughs) How how does that work? Now for the church, because we we, we think that the church is just, I'm not really part of the church, I just go to that church. Uh, you know, even though you're a member, sometimes you feel like that. That's why I don't get involved. That's why but when you vote, you're getting involved. You're signing that waiver. You're getting into the sub. And your leaders are who? <laughs> you don't even know who these people are. Um, I was joking around with some of the deacons back then when I was first uh, installed. Um, they're like, because uh, I'm like, oh, how come nobody? Remember we had an open forum? Who was here for that? Before I was installed, nobody asked me, uh, you know, people ask me a lot about salary. Eh, I got salary, blah, 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 blah. Okay, sure, whatever. That's, that's a concern. But I told the uh, elders and the deacons, how come nobody asked me if I've been baptized? What if I haven't been baptized? And you're putting me in as pastor? <laughs> nobody asked for that. Why, 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 do, why do we care so much about external, about popularity, about... Why don't we ask them what's in their heart? Like, what's, do you really want to do this? Like, instead of just voting for people, instead of just nominating people that you know, you actually know these people, do they still want to do this? Or maybe they've changed. Maybe they need help just like everybody else. Um, but that's the first thing. It doesn't matter if you have the desire or not. You have to be affirmed. There has to be some kind of uh, evidence um, that you're willing to do the job. Um, and that you could do the job. Uh, Mathis, from the article, again, says, and I quote, Here the desires of the heart meet the brass tacks of the needs of others. Office in the church is not for spiritual self-actualization or merely affirming a man's spiritual maturity, but is for meeting the actual needs of others. So if you're just going to, first of all, if you're just going to take the position just so you can be called a deacon or an elder, don't, don't take it. Yeah, don't take it. And at the same time, if you're just voting just because these people are popular, don't vote. Right? Being an elder or a pastor is to be willing to let the needs of others shape your heart. Or in other words, an elder or a pastor will want to do what they are good at in order to serve others. This is where they are. the part where I said, if you don't have the desire, just look to God. He will equip you, right? Because that's, that's what it is. That's what it means to be an elder or pastor. That let the needs of the congregation to shape your heart. And to be willing to do what you're good at in order to serve others. If you've been gifted by God in the areas where there is tremendous need in the church and and this gift is being confirmed by others, don't ignore it. Don't shrink back for whatever reason. Take the step of faith and trust that God does not make mistakes in handing out these gifts. He doesn't. Um, But some of you may ask, what if I'm getting affirmation for the gifts that God has given me, but I don't have the desire or willingness to serve? If that's you... Ask yourself, what is it that's stopping you from responding to God's call in faith? It's just one or two things. Either God made a mistake by giving you those gifts that are being affirmed by others, or maybe instead of having the needs of others in the church community shape your heart for the ministry, you only care about your own needs. Maybe that's why. Uh, I can't take deacon. I can't take the office of elder because it's going to interfere with my, yeah, fill in the blank. Uh, some people, oh, because I have to work. I have a lot of job. I have a lot of work to do. Oh, I don't have time for my kids. I don't have time to go, uh, you know, biking, or watching TV, or whatever. Right? Maybe it's that. Or, again, maybe God made a mistake by giving you these gifts. Which, which one is more <laughs> probable? <laughs> God messing up or you're messed up? Ask yourself those. Right? God did not gift you okay, and met all your needs and had these gifts confirmed by others and then placed you in a church where there is a need for no reason. He, he doesn't do that. And when you realize this, but still choose to ignore the call, you're just disguising your selfishness and lack of faith with a false sense of humility. There are some who do that. Let others take it. Give others a chance. And that's the, the number one thing I hear. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this year off because I want to give others a chance. All right. <laughs> Right There are some people that say, oh, I graduated from that. I've done my part. And that's it. I'm done. I'm retired now. <laughs> is that what that is? Or is that a false sense of humility so you can hide your lack of faith? You decide. Moses, that happened to Moses, right? God called him, burning bush. How many excuses does Moses give? <laughs> there's always an excuse. You can always make an excuse. You can always justify your position. So if you're like that, examine yourself. Take a look at yourself, really. Why, what is stopping you from saying yes, from responding to this call? And again, think about that. You're not going to do this by yourself. There's help. Yeah, I know, you're being called to help, but somebody will help you. What did uh, Jethro say to Moses? Call leaders to minister to tens of, of thousands, to thousands, to hundreds, to tens. Because <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to cultivate leaders so that you can, they can help you with the work, right? If you're just doing everything on, on your own, not good. So even if you're being called to be a helper, you should also disciple more helpers. Right? That's how it works in the outside world. I worked at McDonald's. Who worked at McDonald's? Right? There's a store manager. There's a shift manager. There's a supervisor for that shift. And then the workers, there's one on burgers, one on fries, one on nuggets, one on. Somebody's on the lobby cleaning the. Right? The burger guy doesn't go clean the washrooms. I wouldn't eat there if it. There's a reason for that. Division of labor, there is. Big companies, they all do that. And where do they they get that from? Jethro? (laughs) Right, the Bible, because it says you can't do it on your own. So, uh, that's the first thing. So it doesn't matter if you have the desire or not. First thing is you have to be affirmed. Second, second thing that must accompany a desire for the eldership or pastoral ministry. In order to confirm, okay, what is the second thing? God-given opportunities, okay? God-given opportunities. Matthew says, and again, I quote the the article, perhaps the most often overlooked in Christian discussions of calling is the actual God-given real-world open door. You may feel called, and others may affirm your general direction, but if you're not fully called, to a specific pastoral ministry, or, or sorry, you're not fully called to a specific pastoral ministry until God opens that door. You can't bust in the door. You can't just open it. That's why when people tell me, you know, uh, you know they, they see the pastorate as a job. Hey, did you apply for? Oh, there's an opening at uh, this church or there's an opening at whatever. No, that's not how it works. I can't just move jobs to the highest bidder, is that that how it is? No, it's where you're called, where God opens the door for you. If the door is not open, keep cultivating whatever gifts you have in order to serve others. But God will open the door, like same with me. Again, the first time I, I, I took on ministry here was praise and worship in this church. And then after that, youth. And I was being affirmed by people. Yeah, you should, you should deacon, deacon, deacon. And no, I don't want to be deacon. And number one thing is because I don't want to speak up front. <laughs> right? A lot of deacons say no to deaconship because I don't want to speak up front. That was my thing too. I don't want to speak up here. I, I get scared. I'd rather sing than do this. Right? But what did God do? No. He kept training me in youth to be able to speak to small groups. And then a little bit bigger groups and bigger groups and bigger groups and bigger groups. And, bigger groups. and all of a sudden, I could speak in front of here. Now, all of a sudden, I can go to Nicaragua, where it's a different language altogether, and speak there. Ten years ago, that would have been the case. No way, right? But that's what's happening. That's, God opens this small door, okay? By faith, you walk in. Another door, by faith, you walk in. You walk in, you walk in. And you keep walking in until the door, to op- the, the door that he opens next is your door to heaven. You die. But even in that, even in that door, you walk in by faith. Right? Don't walk in that door without faith. Yeah. Even in that door, you walk in by faith. And that's how it, ministry works. You know, you're not going to go in there all equipped, fully equipped. No. He God equips you throughout the way. And he uses other people to confirm, to affirm it. And then he opens doors and you, by faith, you walk into it. Right? The call to ministry leadership, and in the case of Moses, pastoral ministry, is a very heavy burden. Leading people to know God more is like taking someone to see Titanic. That's what Moses was doing, right? He was leading people to a deeper knowledge of God. But if you're going to do that, make sure (laughs) this is you. Make sure you're one of the fish underneath that can actually take the pressure. Otherwise, you won't be able to lead people to that deep of a knowledge of God if you don't know God that well either. Right. Romans 11 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Leading people to those depths come with tremendous pressure from all angles. No one can do it alone. We all need help. What's your part? Right. Honestly affirm. Honestly. What is in Tagalog? Don't worry about it. It's like you're just saying that you want to be able to hurt the people. Affirm it. If you see something that these people are not doing properly, call it out. We got called out at Sunday school. <laughs> Too much laughing. We're not Right? You shouldn't do that. Should, this is serious stuff. You shouldn't laugh. And we all took it. Yeah, I get it. Right? There's, there's a seriousness and there's a time to be joking around. But we got called out, right? Call it out. Somebody's running for deacon or elder that they're not like, you know, you know that they're not qualified, call it out. Don't just say, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give, give them a chance. Maybe that will. You're signing that waiver to go to the Titanic <laughs> with these leaders. You no, know, ultimately, yeah, God will place them where they're supposed to be. But there is, a, there is a responsibility on your part to be able to affirm honestly and responsibly. Don't just affirm. Amen? Everybody doesn't agree with that. That's all. Leading people to the depths when it comes to God's knowledge is, comes with tremendous pressure. Um, we can, no one can do it alone. We all need help. God is gracious to send Jethro's to speak some sense into us. Not to mention, remember Jethro was a priest, pagan priest, polytheist. If I was Moses, and I'm taking advice from a pagan priest, and I know my God is more powerful than your God, what would be my reaction? Well, oh, like, Naturally. Nah. How do you know what you're talking about? you worshiping, you know, different gods. You don't even know the real God. How am I going to take your advice? What does that say about you? Exactly. Right. So me, I, I even take advice from sometimes my kids. I ask them, what do you think of this? What do you think of this, the, the layout of this sermon, the way it flows? Is, is it good? Because my son is a, he's good when it comes to writing um, essays and stuff like that. I asked him. I asked him. I take advice from non-Christian um, friends of mine. Obviously with salt, if they're going to go against this, I'm not going to take your advice. But did you did you see what Jethro says here? I'm just going to read it to you again. It says... Or is it? Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. That advice is practical. There's no Christian spiritual about it. And then Jethro goes on to say 18. Or sorry, 19. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice. And God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men for all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times, every great matter they shall bring to you, and any but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will be they will bear the burden with you. 23. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all these people will also go their place in peace. Remember what we said about Jethro last week? Was he saved? We said Yes, his knowledge in God grew. He was enlightened more. but was he mature? No. Atheros <laughs> is going ahead of me. Come on, come up here, say it. <laughs> was he mature? No. But that shows just how humble Moses was. Even in the most immature baby Christian. In Jethro, giving him advice, he listened. Why? Because I think he has faith that, yes, if it sounds right. And I think if God wills that, he will make it work. And it sounds right. And it's right. Practically, it's right. So what? What did he do? He listened. He did it. But that, that's not because he believed Jethro. I think he was confident that God can, can work. And that this is how he wants him to work. Um, so let's look at that. Let's look at it that way. right? Um, he's gracious to send us some Jethro's. No matter who that Jethro is in your life, sometimes it's a, it could be a pastor, sometimes it could be a deacon, sometimes it's a Sunday school child. Sometimes it's not nice. Well, you don't be too proud to not listen It's because I'm more mature, I memorize more verses, or whatever. Or I'm an elder, I'm a deacon. God is gracious. That's God's grace sending Jethro's to us to knock some sense into us. Let's not be arrogant and proud like the designer of that sub. Let's be humble and teachable like Moses for our own sake and for the sake of those whom God has given us to lead. The same thing goes when you're ministering to others. Same thing goes when you're sharing the gospel. It's not about I know and you don't. It's not about that. You're trying to lead them closer to God. Do it in humility. What do we say? Speak the truth in love. Amen? let pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift His countenance upon Listen to you and be gracious the Lord be gracious gracious